Acts 16 and 36. Acts 16 and 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. And I want to share with you today from this thought, serving on purpose. Serving on purpose. Can we ask God to give us personal revelation of his word today? Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for the spirit that we have already felt. But Lord, I'm believing that the word that you have directed today is a life-changing word for us. And I'm just asking you. I'm praying against any distraction. I'm praying against any walls that would come up in people's minds. And we just want you to have your way in Jesus' name. And can the church shout amen? Amen. God bless you as you're seated. The Bible is absolutely the most amazing book that has ever been written and will ever be written. And I know that we believe that. The lives of many amazing people are shared between its covers. The good, as we say, (laughs) the bad, and you can finish that, the ugly. It literally shares the best of the best of people, and it also shares the worst of the worst. And then there are many stories where... It shares how the worst, by the help of God, became the best. If we listed our top ten characters in the Word of God, I would imagine that David would make the top ten for most of us, maybe not all of us. And when we think of David, it's like I've said many times, you mention somebody's name, you hear somebody's name, and immediately your mind goes to what you think of them. And whenever I hear King David or David, my mind runs from giant killer to adulterer murderer. Uh, that's, that's quite a range. But it's noteworthy to realize that how his entire Old Testament life was summed up in one New Testament verse. Acts 16.36 For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, fell on sleep. He served his own generation by the will of God. Or can I say today, he served on purpose. His purpose never changed, even though his position did. You look at the life of David, he comes on the scene, he is a younger brother, he is a household servant, and in his life, in his family, being a servant at that time to his family included being a shepherd. Now, sheep were very important in that day in the household economy, but let's face it, they were sheep. David served sheep. David literally risked his life and killed a lion and and killed a bear for sheep. He risked his life for sheep. 
he served the sheep. And at the time that he was serving sheep, he had no way of understanding the role that 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 was having in preparing him for his next serving position. When he killed that lion, he, he had no idea that that was just a warm-up for a bear. When, when he killed the bear, there's, there's no way. He probably never thought that he would ever fight anything bigger than that bear. Little did he know. David just kept serving. That's what he did. He just kept serving. He served according to the purpose. He served according to his purpose. And serving according to his purpose, at times he had to serve alone. Alone. Now, he didn't waste his alone time. He invested his alone time, and no doubt, his alone time serving sheep enhanced his God connection. It was during those alone times that he learned to hear the voice of God much clearer. Surely the times that that he was worshiping God by himself, nobody could see it. He wasn't prompted by a great worship team. He was just by himself and worshiping. And surely those times had much to do with what is written in 1 Samuel 13 and 14 whenever Samuel looked at Saul and said, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man. After his own heart. The Lord has. Saul, your, your days are over. Because the Lord hath, hath sought a man. And he chose that man based on that man having a heart after God. He's the one that will be the captain over his people. You've not kept the commandments that God gave you. But there is a man who used his alone time serving sheep to connect with God. This would be fulfilled later, but but today his father sends him to serve his brothers in the army. He was the delivery boy. It sounds like when you read in the Bible that, that David is the one that really founded Uber Eats. It, it seems like David did that. And so David delivers corn and bread and cheese, and it's to his brothers. And sometimes siblings have issues. You ever notice that? I was reminded of that yesterday evening on row 34 on a United flight. I am diamond on Delta, and I am nothing on United and I was stuck in the back of the plane with a little boy and his sister. He was probably about six. She was probably about ten. And uh, I was working on this message, and they were fighting. And it was it was quite a uh, thing. I'm I'm re- I'm studying about this, and I'm thinking, 
Hmm, yeah. You guys may love each other, but it doesn't look like it's today. It's, it's going to take a while. As a matter of fact, until somebody casts the devil out of that little boy, it's probably never going to happen. That dude was another level. I, had, I was working on this message, and I'm sitting there crammed in back there with these two fighting kids. I'm thinking, number one, where is your parents? Because I know they've got to be on here somewhere. And then my other thought was, Terry, you are not his father. 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 David's brothers were not favorable to him at all, and he was just trying to serve them. And he's, he's serving them. It's, they ignored, I don't have time to deal with all this, but he had been anointed in front of them at this time. Can, can we please acknowledge the anointing that God puts on our brothers? And so here he is trying to serve them and he hears this booming voice that's defying his God. It's, it's not just any God that, that is being defied. It's David's God. It's David's purpose. It is being defied. And so David had always been a willing servant. That's just what he was. And so now his heart to serve Everyone else at any time positioned him to be able to serve God when God needed him to serve. What does serving really do to us? Young people, please don't miss this. It positions us. That's what it does. There are some people that will never be able to be used by God because they will not position themselves to serve. It positions and so God needed him and he was in position and, and being that he was in position, God changed his position. His purpose did, did not change, but, but his position changed. And it wasn't because he pushed for it. It wasn't because he, he, uh, was trying to impress the right people to get it. It wasn't because he was using his ability to get his selfish will, it wasn't that at all. He had positioned himself with God, and now God was going to position him in a different manner. But in that positioning, his purpose would never change. And so now God changes his position because it's a time for war. And so God really just said, okay, David, same purpose, different position. You can uh, put that staff down for right now and pick up your sling because it's time to serve as a warrior. And so he served God. He served his purpose with a sling. And it wasn't long at all until God put a sword in his hand. And it, it wasn't his sword. It was the enemy's sword because God needed the head of the enemy of the Israelites. 
and God had to find somebody who had positioned themselves and had, had stayed in their place and had served their purpose and understood what their purpose was. And he said, let's change that staff. Now you need a sling. And then he said, use that sling. And David used that sling. And then David realized that there is a sword in my hand. It is the sword of Goliath. And it was time to take off the head of the enemy. And it all started with just being willing to serve and deliver some corn and some bread and some cheese. So now this happens and his, his position now is forever changed. He would never be the same past that day. His purpose hasn't changed, but his position did change. And he was now a man of war. And he served as a warrior for a very long time. He warred against the enemies of God with a sword. He warred against Saul's tormenting spirit with a harp. He warred against Saul's jealous rage and, and the way Saul was trying to destroy him with trust in God and self-control. He was a warrior. It wasn't always with a sword. It wasn't always with a, a sling, but he had now stepped into a new position. It, it, it wasn't the shepherd at this time, but it was now a warrior. But in his warring and doing what God told him to do, he becomes a fugitive. He becomes an outcast. He was done wrong, but he stayed true to his purpose. So what does David do whenever this position changes? I was serving. And now, I'm, now I'm fighting. I'm a warrior. Now I'm an outcast. I'm a fugitive. So what does he do? He just keeps serving, and God lets a D-level group of men come into his life. And we see this in 1 Samuel 22 and 2. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented, how's that for a group of people? bunch of distressed people, a bunch of people that's in debt, a bunch of people that's discontented. They gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 distressed, in debt, discontented men. And so now what is the warrior going to do with that? He's going to continue to be true to his purpose. And this is what God has given him. And so David serves them in such a manner that those D men became dreaded men. Now there is a fierce fighting army of 400 men that, that when people heard that David and his men were coming against them, they were not having a good day. You mean, but those guys, they were just a bunch of in debt, dis distressed and discontented. Well, yes, yes, they were until they came in contact with somebody who understood their purpose and just kept serving. He continues serving on purpose and the day comes and his position changes again. His purpose remains, and he finds himself in a different position, and now he's the king. 
He's a ruler. He's a judge. He's not sitting there with a staff. He's not sitting there with a sword on that throne. He now has a scepter. And his manner of serving with that scepter literally produced one of the greatest eras, if not the greatest eras, that the children of Israel ever knew. Unfortunately, it was at that time when he allowed his position to supersede his purpose. He committed a sin that cost him for the rest of his life. It was that time when he was king. He was, he was supposed to have been fighting, and he was wandering around in a place he should not be, and he was looking at what he should not have been looking at. And because of his position, he was able to do what he should have never done. But you take David's life and you put it all together, and this is what you have to say, because this is exactly what was explained of him in Acts 16.36. Put it all together for David after he had served his own generation by the will of God fell on sleep. So now let's let's move now generations later and consider the son of David, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the seed of David. When we when we think of Jesus Christ, we think of of many things. We we may think of he's our redeemer, he's our savior, he's the lamb, he's our sacrifice, but the term that seems to highlight his entire life and ministry was servant. Servant. He served. He ministered. He made it as clear as it could be made in Matthew 20, 28, when he said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ served on purpose. That's exactly what he did. He came to serve. He literally came to serve his life away for our eternal life. That's what he did. Now, Pastor Andrew was talking about next week being Easter Sunday. Well, that makes this Sunday Palm Sunday. And so Palm Sunday is the day that we celebrate the triumph and entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's one week before his resurrection. Jesus enters knowing that, that he will be crucified. And on the first Palm Sunday, the people were praising and shouting. It's found in John twelve thirteen. They took branches of palm trees. They went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. You will understand that that they were not just saying some random statement at that time. They were quoting. They were quoting Psalms 118.26. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They were praising in a way, and they were using this messianic psalm. And by them doing this, this is what angered the religious leaders of that day. 
because many, many years prior to Jesus arriving in Jerusalem, Zechariah had already prophesied about Palm Sunday. He, he already laid it out. You see, the prophecy, never forget this, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Never forget that. Never forget that you can pull a thread in Genesis and it will ravel all the way to Revelation. Never forget that, that God is not bound by time. He steps in and out of time. He knows the end from the beginning. Never forget that. And they, they could have realized it. It was all right there. Some choose to see it. Many missed it. Zechariah 9 and 9. All these many years before Palm Sunday. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh. This is Zechariah. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. He literally was saying, there's going to be a day, the Messiah is going to come, and don't be looking for him on, on a white stallion. Don't be looking for him with, with some chariot. No, 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 don't do that. Don't be looking for him if you're looking for a mighty general that's going to come in. You're going to miss it. Look on a lowly servant that's coming in riding on a donkey. You got to be kidding me. The king, the king on a lowly donkey. There are people right now that are missing the Messiah because he's not coming packaged the way they think he should be packaged. I repeat to you what I think has been said over the pulpit. I believe I've heard pastor say this. I love it. It was talking about if you were a gambler back in Jesus's day, who, who would you bet on if you were gambling? A rabbi running around with 12 misfits or Caesar or the, the Roman government? Well, of course, if you have any brains in the flesh, it would be Caesar and the Roman government. And it is so funny that all these years later, now we're naming our kids Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're naming our dogs Caesar and Nero. Who won? Who won? A after all of these years, who won? Jesus came to them, but the crowds were looking for a Messiah who would liberate them politically and nationally, and Jesus came to save them spiritually. Can we please not make the same mistake today? Can we please not get so focused on the political situation and the national situation that we put it above the spiritual situation of our nation can we please not make the same mistake that, that they made back then? They missed it. We call it Palm Sunday. It, it really is the start of the most important week in the history of mankind. It was a week highlighting how Jesus served on purpose. He was the servant that week. He was the warrior that week. He was the king. 
when we consider more than just the week of Palm Sunday and we consider his life, we see how he served Joseph and Mary. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, if he was on earth in 2022, um, we could say this, that he was not just favorable at church. He was not just favorable uh, in the community, but he was favorable at home. He was not a stranger to his family at church. Jesus wasn't. He, he wasn't one way in his home and then another way in the temple. Uh, this is a dangerous trap. We cannot fall into this. We all have bad days. We all have pressure. We all have issues. But please don't, don't live a life to where you're a stranger to your family in public or you're a stranger to your family at church because of it being such a difference in the lives that we live. Jesus literally lived cleaning things up. That's, that's what he did. Had the first miracle he ever created, he ever did. It was really cleaning up a wedding mess. Uh, one day he went to the temple. It was a mess. And I don't mean that the floors needed clean. I mean that it needed cleaned out of people. And it's amazing how sometimes his serving looked like he was messing things up. The truth is, Jesus will mess things up in the natural in order to clean us up in the spiritual. And we see at the end where he washed their feet, John 13 and 4, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. He also served as a warrior. Jesus knew how to fight. Yes, he did. He fought in the wilderness with the word. He fought in the temple with a whip. He fought the Pharisees and the Sadducees with, with revelation. In this Passion Week, he warred in the garden with prayer and submission. And after that, he then served his head and his face to their fist and their spit. He then served his back to their whip. He served his brow to their thorns. He served his hands and feet to their spikes. He served his side to their spear. Why is this? It's because Jesus ultimately served himself to death. That's what he did. You say, how do you say that? I say that because the only reason why he went through what he went through is because he willingly did it. He could have called 10,000 angels. He wouldn't have even needed 10,000 angels. He could have called one. He didn't even need one. He could have just spoken the word, but he didn't. He served himself. He served himself as the sacrificial lamb. And he warred and did it. He was the king on the cross. And while yet on the cross, he served. When he looked at one of the thieves and said, This day you will be with me in paradise. 
That's, that's the king. You can look at him washing feet. You can look at him warring. You can look at him serving in the menial way. You can look at him warring in the spiritual way. You can, you can look at his kingship. When, it, when the king is literally hanging on the cross, he is serving then from a, a kingly perspective because only the king, only the creator, only the one that, that, that knows the end from the beginning, only the one who can save us can say to us today, you will be with me in para- paradise. So we sum up his purpose. And I'll present these verses chronologically, how they were written in the Word of God, so we can understand it a little better. And I use these three verses this way many, many times. Between these three verses in Matthew six thirty-three, that is dotted all through my teaching, all through my preaching, because I believe it's revelation we have to get. You can sum up his purpose with these three verses, John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Luke 19 and 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. It was written in that order. In 1 John 3 and 8, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. We can say this about Jesus Christ. He served on purpose. So we look and we understand that David was a great example We look at King Jesus and we realize he was the greatest example. But now it's us. It's us. How are we going to answer our call in our personal lives? How will I answer my personal call to serve on purpose? How will I do that? How am I responding to the menial task? That's the boring things of life. That's the tedious, the basic, the lowly, the humble things. How how am I responding to those menial things that I really don't like to do? What do I consider to be too far below me to do? What, what am I too good to do? We had better never see ourselves as, as too big to serve, and we had better prove it through doing menial tasks. And when we do it, it's not for a photo op for social media. I don't know what position you have. You, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many people you have serving you. I, I don't know. But, but even if you have enough money and you have a position that you can hire somebody to do everything for you, can I please ask you, don't live like that. Don't live like that. Don't do it. Don't get yourself up so high that that you you never get dirty. 
don't, don't let yourself get, get to a point to where, well, now I can't do that. That's, that's for someone else. It matters not what we do or how God uses us. We must always consider it serving. So how do we protect what has been placed in our care but not in our possession? How do we treat that? How, how do we treat the things that we're caring for but we, but they're not ours? Of course, there should be no, there is no ownership in the kingdom. There's only stewardship. But, but the things that, that we feel that we possess, how, how are we operating with that? But how are we operating with, whenever something comes into our world that all of a sudden it's in our care, but, but it's, it's not ours. Let, let me just get real with it. How are we treating other people's children? How, how are we treating other people's spouses? How, how, are, how are we viewing our interaction with, with other people's business? So, so really, how, how are you on your job? It'd be a great idea for every one of us, those of you that are in school, it would be a great idea for you to serve as if Jesus was your teacher or Jesus was your professor if you're in college, or, or Jesus was your boss, or your, your, the owner of the company, because he is. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and everything in it, and they, and they, he owns us. It's not just the menial task, it's, it's also the sword. Don't get weary in well-doing. Would you please keep fighting? Would you please keep fighting? Oh, it's not enough. The menial task, that's where it starts. And I really don't think that we ever need to get totally disconnected away from that. And you, you understand how I feel about that. But I want to tell you something. Just giving everybody a drink of water is not going to fix it. Just helping people eat is not going to fix it. That's definitely where it needs to start. Just just making your bed at home is not going to fix it. Just helping doing the dishes, that's good. That is a great start. But look, let's not be fooled to think that serving is meant to only be locked in on the level of what helps us physically. We've got to learn to fight. We've got to learn to war. We've got to learn to fight right. We've got to learn to fight with the armor of God. We've got to learn to fight with the weapons, the weapons of God, the weapons of our warfare that are not uh, carnal. They're not understood in the fleshly. They're understood spiritually. We've got to learn how to serve and fight temptation, to serve and fight sin. We've got to know how to serve and 
fight self-justification. We've, we've got to learn to serve and fight human reasoning and carnal thinking. We've got to learn to serve and fight the flesh and serve and fight the world and serve and fight the devil. It's not enough for us just to serve in the physical. We have got to move and understand that the purpose is the same. The position is not. And there will be at times when we've got to pick up a sword and we've got to fight. We've got to fight right. We've got to serve others. We've got to serve others in a way of helping them know how to fight. We've got to fight to love God with our whole heart. That's a fight. Our whole soul. That's a fight. Our whole mind. God knows that's a fight. Our whole might. That is a fight. I'm talking about servants that will serve on purpose, that will understand the purpose doesn't change, the position does change, and we've got to step up and serve on purpose, and this means sometimes it's a staff and sometimes it's a sword. It includes warring. Serving on purpose will include a staff, a sword, and also a scepter. We serve on purpose by judging righteously. John 7, 24 says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. In other words, don't, don't pass your judgment just on the way it appears. It's, it's one thing to have the staff. It's another thing in situations to have a sword. It's another thing to have a scepter. It's, it's another thing to be a father, a grandfather, a mother, a grandmother. It's, it's another thing to be the boss. It's another thing to be the manager. It's, it's another thing. And if we're going to serve, we've got to understand that in these areas where we have influence and in these areas where we make decisions, we had better be judging righteously and not according to appearance. There are many people that they did well on level one and they do well on level two. But whenever it gets to level three, they can be bought. But whenever it gets to level three, then they sell out. Because I can tell you, if we're going to to stand for truth, and if we're going to stand for what's right, I promise you there is a great price tag that comes with that, and it will cost us something. And I'm not talking about being rude and crude. I'm not talking about being in somebody's face. I'm not talking about getting into a situation and we know we're right, and they and they uh, we know that they are wrong, and we're going to tell them off, and then we're going to put it on social media, and we're going to let everybody know how we set them straight. I'm not talking about any of that. That's out of bounds. I'm talking about understanding that when we serve on purpose, 
There are times with the scepter that we have to judge and we have to make sure that we are judging righteous judgment. And the only way we can judge righteous judgment is through prayer and through the word and through listening until we know that we've got all of the information. I'm talking about serving on purpose to where we can be trusted with the truth. I'm I'm talking about serving on purpose to where we understand the level of the scepter. And when there's an issue that arises in our marriage or in our family or in our business or in the church, that we are race humans and we look at what is the truth. And then when we know what the truth is, we lovingly deal with the, the people who are suffering now because of the consequences of the truth. I'm talking about serving. I'm talking about serving on purpose. I'm talking about serving like David served. I'm talking about serving like, like Jesus served. And I'm saying that this is a dimension that we must move into. We must never lose the staff. We must never put down the sword. But we also, in the areas that God has put us into, we must accept the scepter. So new life, I come with this word this morning, and I say, let's get this right. Let's get it right. Serving on purpose is something that we must get right. Position is not the most important thing. Purpose is. Life may offer us many positions, but we had had better stay focused on one purpose. One purpose. I've had many positions in, in, in my life, but I've had one purpose. And a true kingdom life is a serving life. And so every one of us must ask ourselves the question, are we serving or are we self-serving? We come into the world focused on ourselves. That's just what babies do. But unfortunately, many people never grow out of it. And self-interest is a big issue. It's a personal challenge. A heart that's motivated by self-interest, it, it operates by giving a little and expecting a lot. But we've got to be people that will put our agenda and our safety and our status and our organization and our gratification down that his will can be done. So I ask you today, it's real simple, what's the real score? What's the real score? I'm not talking about your golf score, your fishing score, your hunting score, your hobby score, your portfolio score, your bank account score, your credit score. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our, not your, our serving score. What's, what's the score? I don't know what it's going to take for us to realize that serving enhances, it never lessens. Serving enhances us. I don't, I don't know what it's going to take for us to learn that, that fulfillment 
comes through serving. I don't know what it's going to take. It's literally laid out in Scripture so, so clear. It's, you, you've got, you've got David being willing to serve sheep and he ends up on the throne. You've, you've got people that are willing to serve and give of themselves like Jesus did. And it's like, that's where, that's where things open up. I don't mean just, just things on this earth. I could sidetrack right there and take it in the physical. I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. I am taking this to the level that we, it must be taken to for us to see God do through this church what God wants to do. What will position us for that? Being people who will serve on purpose and it starts at home. At home. The call today is very simple. It's for servants. That's the call. The call today is for people that will humble themselves and serve. And serve. The call today is, is for people that, that will will just make the window about 100 times bigger than the mirror. That's the call. That's the call. There there are are people that need to be saved. How's it going to happen? They're going to be served. Jesus literally served himself for our salvation. We must serve ourselves for their salvation. And I'm not just talking about giving them a sandwich, and I'm not just talking about giving them a ride, and that's that's necessary. But come on, church. Don't think that serving is just tied to what helps us physically. God wants to use many of us to serve in war and step up and take on some of the spirits that have people bound. God, God wants many of us to step up into a realm that, that we can judge righteously. I love you, brother, but now come on. That's wrong in your life. Come on. Let's get this right. I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help. I'm going to teach you how to pray about this. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to get over this. I'm talking, there has got, there are so many people that are so bound by so many different things, by so many addictions and, and giving them a meal may open the door, but it's not going to set them free. Somebody is going to have to serve in war and somebody's going to have to serve with a scepter that can allow the gifts of the spirit and the word of knowledge and these things to move through us that we can see the kingdom come in people's lives, which is Shown by salvation, deliverance, and healing. There is no kingdom without the king. And the king is the one who came to establish the kingdom. And when the kingdom comes, 
people are saved, people are delivered, people are healed. How will it be done? Through serving. And we have that opportunity. And God wants to use us in that manner. It's real simple today. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm not, I'm not working you up emotionally, and emotion has, has its place. But the word has gone forth. It's a direct word. There are people that need to accept a greater dimension of serving. Of serving. It will change our lives. But we've got to understand to serve on purpose is just a whole lot more than serving in a manner that just helps a physical body. The altar's open right now for people that want to serve on purpose. That want to serve on purpose. want to serve on purpose. We want it to be said of us at the end of our life, if we die before the rapture takes place, and Joe, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. That's right. Brother Coach Barr, after he had served, yes, he served his generation by the will of God, and he fell on sleep. You put your name in it. That's all I want. If I die before the rapture, I want it to be able to be said of me. No, he wasn't perfect. Yes, there are things he should have done differently. But... Let's sum up the good, the bad, and the ugly of his life. And the sum is, he did his best to serve his own generation, and now he's dead. It's the way Jesus did it. If you walk forward, can you just close your eyes and and lift your hands, and can we pray about serving in the menial task. Just start right there. Let's start right there. Those of you that are uh, standing in the, in the seats, uh, if you could just stretch your hand toward the front and pray over these people or pray however God leads you. Can we pray right now about the menial task? God, we come right now praying against any spirit of arrogance. God, the arrogance in our life. God, we need you to forgive us of it. Anything in in our lives that, that makes us feel above. Anything, God, in our lives that that makes us view people as below us. Forgive us. Forgive us. God, I am, I am praying that this afternoon, whenever we get into situations to where we're doing menial things, that we'll look at it totally different. 
I'm praying for young people right now that they will get this revelation early, early in their life. Help us, God. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to submit. Help us to understand the power of Ephesians when it speaks about mutual submission. Help us, God. Can we pray right now about serving in war? Some of you are feeling the warring spirit come over you right now in prayer and you need to just, you need to let that flow. Father, help us to understand how to war. Your word says he teacheth my my fingers, my hands to war. Teach us to war. Teach us to war. Can we pray about this right now? And and can we adjust and, and take the pressure off of ourselves and how we're going to figure it out and we're going to do it and we've got to make it happen. Can we, can we yield ourselves right now to be warriors of him, to fight his way? God, help us to fight with your word. Help us to fight as, as Judah did in song, in praise, in thanks. Help us to understand, God, how you would have us to fight and help us to serve in a fighting manner. I'd like for us to take just one moment right now and and let's... I'm going to use the word practice that I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Can we right now for a minute step in to the warring of serving on purpose? And can we pray against the spirits right now that has this area bound? Can, can, can we do that? Can we do whatever spirit you feel right now? Can we pray? Can we step into warring just just one moment? It might be something that has your family bound. It may it may be something. Go 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 after that right now. Just speak it in the name of Jesus by the power of your Spirit. We're we're facing things that are too big for us. We're facing things that are too big for us. We're, we're facing things in our mind. We're facing things in our spirit. We're facing things in our lives. We're facing things in our neighborhoods and in this community. And, and we're not going to be able, God, to just impress this area with, with what we have or what we're building or who we are, we're going to have to have you. We've got to know when to use a heart. We've got to know when, when to use a sword. 
We've got to know how to use the word. God, help us not only to hide the word where we will not sin. God, help us to hide the word so we can speak it whenever we're under attack or those we love are under attack. It is written. It is written. It is written. The final prayer that we're going to pray now deals with the scepter. It deals with judging. It deals with ruling. It deals with our influence. God, help us to use our influence right. God, help us to understand the power and the weight of our words. Help us to be able to judge righteous judgment can we lift our voice and pray for wisdom father we come we know that if we're going to serve on purpose that we're going to step into some situations where we're going to have to make judgment calls god would you please help us in those times Would you help us in those times to to use knowledge aright? Would you help us in those times to realize that death and life is in the power of the tongue? Would you help us? God, would you help us to be focused on truth and not just what we want? And God, whenever the truth moves against us individually or someone we love, Would you please help us to stand for truth while we lovingly help who is affected by the consequences? Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. We're going to sing. And while while Lacey is, is singing, here's what I would just like for you to do. Can you just respond to the Spirit any way you feel that the Spirit is leading you to respond.